You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame Athletics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode, I will be recapping Notre Dame's loss to Virginia Tech, a end to their two-game winning streak, and then Ryan and I will be discussing the offensive and defensive takeaways from the Senior Bowl for the Notre Dame players that are in attendance. Before we get to that, I am Joe DeLeon, former long snapper from the University of Rhode Island, joined by Ryan Roberts, who is the Director of Scouting at NFL Draft Bible. So let's get into talking about this Notre Dame-Virginia Tech game. Notre Dame goes on their two-game winning streak. It's all nice that they string together back-to-back wins for the first time this season. And then Virginia Tech comes stomping in and pretty much humbles them after that two-game winning streak. 20 Virginia Tech defeats the Fighting Irish 62-51. to This is without their best player. And Notre Dame is now 5-9, 12th in the ACC. They still have some, some ground that they have to make up in order to hit that spot that we've talked about a ton. For them to get into the middle seeds of the ACC tournament, they're going to need to string together multiple two-win streaks, maybe take a loss here and there in order for them to reach that measure. But this loss, really, really not a good one. And one of the things I'm going to get into very shortly is something that is continuously talked about on this show, that Notre Dame lives and dies by the three-point shot. And they also live and die by having a versatile offensive attack. When it is one guy doing all of the work, Notre Dame will not produce good offensive numbers. And they only scored 51 points. Pretty safe to say that they didn't play very well offensively. And you could probably deduce that I'm going to talk about how one guy carried the load and they didn't shoot very well from three. They actually shot the worst that they have, I think, all season from three. But Prentice Hub is the one player I'm referring to who has a, a good bounce-back game. He scores 22 points in this in this outing. It's a really, really good game. But the remaining roster does not even surpass eight. That includes Nate Lushevsky, who had 10 rebounds, but only shot three, sorry, he shot three for four, ends up only having seven points, but did not attempt a single three-pointer, which is very uncharacteristic. He did not have a lot of opportunities, as that seems to have been a priority for, for Virginia Tech to not allow him to get those open three-point shots. And that pretty much impacted the rest of Notre Dame's offense. But the whole offense here, no contributions from the bench. No contributions from the rest of the starters. It was a sloppy, sloppy offensive day. And the the numbers that I have to dive into directly and point at, they didn't shoot well from the floor, 35%, 20 for 56. But the disturbing number here is that they shot 3 for 18. That is 16.7% from 3. Now, if I read that number, you might assume that this is a Notre Dame roster that tends to struggle from shooting from three, and and this is just a a bad outing. 
It's crazy to me to see Notre Dame go out there and put out a 55% three-point shooting day against Miami, who is obviously nowhere near as good as Virginia Tech. But to completely fall off a cliff, to to go from 55 all the way down to 16%. And the interesting thing that you add in here, they actually played a really good defensive day. They had a really good defensive game. To hold Virginia Tech, the 20th best team in the country, to 62 points, limit their shooting percentage, rebound well, but for whatever reason, despite having two hot games shooting the basketball, they completely and utterly fell off a cliff. And the emphasis here for Virginia Tech was limiting those three-point opportunities. They knew that they could come out and dare them to come in the paint. And without actually having consistent good looks from three, they were forcing a lot of shots, and that is what led to that abysmal three-point shooting number. And I, I feel like it sounds so redundant when I come in and do these recaps. And I, I feel like every time I do them, my listeners, you guys are going to be thinking, oh, he's just bringing up the same stuff over again. Does he have anything else to talk about? I wish I had other things to talk about because it's consistently the same stuff. It is nonstop the same issues. And the big one here, it all comes down to if they shoot well from three. This is a team that is built to shoot from deep. It can't do anything else. They can't play well down low. They don't have any low post scores. They don't have any big flashy athletes that can play an up-tempo offense and attack the basket. No, they're going to create opportunities off of ball rotations and find open guys like Prentice Hub and Dane Goodwin and Nate Lashevsky. But when none of those guys shoot well, they literally have nothing else to help them. They have nothing else to dig them out of that hole. And that right now is the problem for this Notre Dame team. And I I still have some confidence that this team can string together a couple wins here and there. All they really need to do is win two and then lose and then bounce back after that loss for them to get close to that middle spot. I am still remaining optimistic that they're capable of doing it. But I can promise you, as I say every time that we do these recaps, if they continue to fail, it is because they're not shooting well. I will be shocked, and I will eat my words, if they lose a game and still shoot over 30%, or let's say 35% from three, and over 50% from the field, 45% from the field. If they do either of those things and lose, I will be shocked. They need to play more consistently. They can't be coming going from one good day to a bad one. Coming up, we are going to do an offensive and a defensive recap from the first day of practices at the Senior Bowl. Before we do, though, Ryan, let's hear you talk about Rock Auto. Yeah, if you're not familiar, most chain stores in the auto repair business have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com, on the other hand, their prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices available 
rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do, for instance. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for these same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we were the ones that sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the best stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all of the sports news you need with in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you also subscribe to our show and leave a five-star review. So the remainder of today's show, we're going to break up our analysis on the first day of practices at the Senior Bowl. We are reacting a day later, and this is coming out to you on Thursday. So we will respond and provide reactions uh, on a slight delay on what they typically would be. But nonetheless, we're starting with this first day of practices. We already talked about the measurements, the important things, the things that kind of hurt some guys. And then after later in the day, after we ended up recording that, the guys got to go out there and show off some of their skills. And there were some guys that really flashed more so on the defensive side of the ball. And the one thing that I I found really interesting before we kind of get into talking about the offensive guys first and some of the various takeaways, Aaron Banks, Robert Hainsey were caught on the field way after everybody else was in. And I found it really interesting to see those guys just out there simply just working on their steps and and their punches. And somebody had pointed out on Twitter, somebody who covers Notre Dame, I forget who it was, that, you know, this is part of the the Henry Heistead, um, you know, the things that he taught, the things that he influenced on these guys to just go out there, put in the extra reps. And we've tended to see this from Notre Dame linemen where they'll go out and they'll stay out there a lot longer after when practice is done just because they want to continue to work on their stuff. And that, that stuff always looks good. Well, absolutely, and, and I mean, shout out to Coach Eastan. He he did an absolute great job at Notre Dame, and with and then with the Chicago Bears uh, for a couple of years there. So obviously, he is a very well respected offensive line coach. Jeff Quinn 
continued that great tradition over the last couple of years and did an outstanding job with the pieces that he was given when Coach Heastan left. And, I mean, a couple of guys we got down there. Unfortunately, Liam Eichenberg is not, you know, participating this week. But we have Aaron Banks, who, honestly, you like, if we're, if we're being, you know, non-biased here, Aaron Banks was a little up and down the first day. There's not good – let's not have big overreactions, though, because we do this too often where it's, you know, everything – in the short term is the biggest overreaction. Well, we have seen a lot of damn good football players go to the senior bowl and maybe start the week off, not quite at the highest degree. And then they kind of ease into the game and they ease into the week. And then you see over the last couple days of the week, that's when guys really make their biggest money. Money's not usually made the first day of practice. It's usually made at the weigh-ins and then we're at the latter stages of the week. So that's where we really need to see Aaron Banks take a next step up because the Flashes are there. We even saw it yesterday, right? Like that big body and pass protection inside is outstanding. The, the work that he does in the running game is outstanding. All the tools are there for him to be that big riser. We just need to see him put it together for a couple days here. Robert Hainsey, he's going to be used all over the place a little bit. We saw him inside a guard a ton yesterday. That's his more natural spot. I actually think he looked pretty solid. You know, I think that he is, he's definitely helped himself. Um, the first day of practice a little bit. We'll see how he continues to mesh inside because that's going to be his natural spot with the, with only 32-inch arms. But he's a professional. He's consistent. I'm sure he's going to look really good. Maybe we'll see him get some more center, center snaps to see how much he could really do because we have seen that cross-training come into effect, um, especially early yesterday and into today. So look forward to seeing Robert Hainsey also show his versatility to play all spots on that offensive line potential, which will only increase the versatility that he has. And like you said, though, Joe, there's no, there be no question. The minute that these guys get into an NFL uh, facility and onto the field, these guys are workers, man. Like they have been instilled with that work ethic. And we saw some really good flashes from the offensive line on the first day. And Banks, you talked about, I think probably did the better out of the two. The only thing that stood out to me from some of the reps I caught with Hainsey, like I immediately – Without knowing who's, who was wearing what number, I knew which one was Hainsey because of what we talked about yesterday, the length issues, not having long enough arms. And there was one early rep in particular where I just completely saw that length be a deficiency for him. And you probably know, maybe not which rep specifically, but you know what I'm referencing here where he just he had a complete disadvantage, could not grab his, get his hands on, could not secure a good punch because he was just completely outmaneuvered by his short arms. And I really would like to see more of him at center. I wonder how much of an opportunity he will get to have at center. Um, but I, it, it already looked a little bit suspect with him uh, just at guard of all places. So, well, so, some length issues. He's, he's going to get an opportunity because those guys are going to throw them everywhere to see where they stick best, what they look like in multiple positions. I mean, we saw David Moore taking snaps, who's a 350-pound guard at center, right. which is something that he's never going to do with the body type that he has. So we're definitely going to see Haynes get those opportunities this week to see where he fits best. But, I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the issues are going to be the issues for Robert Haynes. We saw it, you know, in Notre Dame running outside zone where, like, he would get in solid position, but the defensive end would just be able to disengage with him because he just has a length advantage. Like, that's just not going to be his spot. But, right. again, if he's able to back up those three interior positions, then he can carve out a niche for himself for a long time at the next level. Now heading on the quarterback who we, we've uh, we've bashed a little bit. Um, and the one thing that you put down here, Ian Book, he looked fine. Some of the throws that I caught of him, 
you know, I think that he looked decent, like you said. I think fine is the best way to describe it. Like he didn't do anything that makes me go, "Wow, that's that's really sloppy. That doesn't look very good." But my only point that I want to throw out here is that for Ian Book to make money this week, he he can't look fine around the other group of guys who are going to have more room for error because they're either bigger and more explosive or have a better track record in college. Um, he needs to excel. He can't just be doing fine if he wants to make money. No, no, I, I definitely agree. I would say out of his quarterback group, which is Sam Ellinger from Texas and Felipe Franks from Arkansas, felt like he was the most consistent. Uh, Felipe Franks. I feel like that's not too surprising because both of those guys are very sloppy. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, Sam Ellinger's not a, you know, he's not going to be a long term answer at quarterback. We talked about Felipe Franks, just the physical profile that he brings. I mean, you saw an air yesterday when he was throwing the football. My guy can spin it a little bit on air. It's just when you get into the team aspect of everything where there's a rush coming at him, where he has to make quicker decisions, that's where he struggles. And I felt like that's what, what Ian Book did yesterday was no matter what situation he was in, throwing on air, throwing in team, throwing Skelly, like he always just looked the same. He always looked calm. He handled pressure pretty well. You know, obviously those guys aren't coming out to kill you in, in those types of drills in the team. But he just looked like nothing bothered him too much. He looked like he was unfazed. So hats off to Ian Book. He looked like he was the most comfortable and controlled early on in a week where like they try to get you out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I think that he was probably, at worst, the most consistent quarterback on his team. But like you just said, what does that really mean? Like we have Felipe Franks, who's going to be probably a day three pick just because of the physical profile he has, but he was never really able to put it together. And then we got Sam Ellinger, who might be a, a conversion guy to an H-back fullback down the road. So not a like a big clap, like, wow, Ian, you were so great. It was just that you were better than what was up, what else was around you. Right, and he is at a possible advantage here in terms of who he's lining up against because Felipe Franks is just a physical freak. Sam Ellinger had limited expectations, and we talked about just the physical trait of just standing near these guys might hurt the expectation, and I do think that it's good that he looked the most consistent out of the group because those guys needed to be very good in terms of you know, they're throwing mechanics and not making mistakes because that's where their biggest question marks were. For Ian Book, he needed to continue to show that consistency and the, the ability to be consistent. And that, that, like you said, seemed to show in a number of his throws. And the last thing here, uh, you didn't think that Ben Skronik did very good, which I, I guess kind of makes sense because there's a pretty decent corner class out there and, and there's some big corners out there too, some big DBs that are out there covering him. They're able to actually match up with Skronik. Yeah, no, it's it's a good cornerback crew, so he's playing against some good players, absolutely. This this setting is not where Skoranek is going to shine. Like, let's just call it what it is. He's a big, physical, catch-point wide receiver who is going to get down and dirty in the run game. He is not a guy that is going to create a ton, ton of separation. Like, that's just not what he is. The guys that you're seeing flash this week that everyone wants to talk about, the Shy Smiths from South Carolina, Dwayne Eskridge, from Western Michigan, uh, Kadarius Tony from Florida. All these really shifty, quick twitch athletes are the ones that are really going to shine in these one-on-ones because those are the guys that are going to create a lot of separation. That's never going to be Skoranek's game, so it's not really – it's to his detriment in a way, just his play style, but also like there are some reps where 
guys are getting hands on him at the line of scrimmage, and he just doesn't have the quickness to get off. Like it's it's not a great look, but also you know the context is this setting isn't exactly isn't exactly advantageous to him shining with the way that he wins. I honestly believe what he's going to get out of this week the most is kicking ass in special teams and then also looking really good blocking. Those are two of his biggest assets, I believe, as a professional. That was honestly, I believe, why he was invited was just because he shows that hardworking ability and he's a big guy. That's what you want. You want a big receiver to go out there and um, you know, possibly put an end on punt or put him out there on kickoff. Like you, you want a guy like that that has that tight, almost tight end type size, and that can cover and is going to bust his butt. So if he looks good in that stuff, I think he'll be fine. He might not get drafted, but he'll be a super high priority UDFA because teams want that as their their last remaining receiver on their roster. They want a good special teamer on their roster. They don't need. Ben Skoranek to come in and develop and become a DK Metcalf. That's just not going to happen. He's he's going to become a really good back end of your roster player that you might forget about in a few years, and then you'll be watching a game like, oh, look, it's Ben Skoranek. <laughs> right. right. He, he just, I don't know why, he, he just, he strikes me as like a Green Bay Packer for whatever reason. <laughs> like, he's just that type, I was thinking you know? the same thing, yeah. He's, he's just that type, man. Like, he's not flashy. He just kind of gets the job done, does the dirty work. I mean, somebody was, you know, busting a little bit on us because, you know, they messaged me and was like, oh, Notre Dame guy, uh, Ben Skoranek didn't look too good. I'm just like, no, it's not very – it's not where not he's going to shine. Gonna do. Right, it's yeah. not where he's going to shine. And also, I, I, I strictly said, hey, this guy's going to be a physical blocker. He's going to win some contested catches, and he's going to play special teams. That's a back end of the roster type of player. But, hey, if he's able to carve out a niche for a long time, his, his bank account's going to be all right, and uh, nobody's going to be able to say anything to him as a professional athlete. So, Right. That's how the paychecks you know, are made. Rather than get, getting drafted high and then falling out, the guys that last the longest are the ones who can do stuff like that. I mean, heck, Nate Ebner, I think, is a perfect example who had a very long career just doing special teams. Coming up, we're going to talk about the defensive guys, and I think this group is a lot more fun to discuss because these guys, uh, one guy in particular, had a very, very good first day of practices. Before we get to that, let's talk about Bet Online. Senior Bowl week is wrapping up soon, which means next week we are already hitting the Senior Bowl. If you're going to bet, which everybody is betting this year on the Senior Bowl, or on the Super Bowl, rather. And if you're going to bet, don't just bet with your buddies. There's no fun in that. Don't do anything under the table that you shouldn't be doing. Go to Bet Online. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that you can trust. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use from promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. If you have a feeling that you think maybe Tampa Brady is going to win yet another Super Bowl or that Patrick Mahomes is going to win his back-to-back Super Bowl. Put some money down on it. If you think that you have a hunch that on an unexpected Super Bowl MVP, put some money on it. Put 10 bucks down, earn yourself some beer money for the rest of the week. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Folks, I'd also like to talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. And I can say, being a former college athlete, it is impossible at times 
to get the right food that is not filled with junk when it comes to bars. And after a workout, what I'm always looking for is something quick to eat to give me some energy, give me some fuel that fits my macros, the the nutrients that I need specifically. And instead of eating some of these other crappy bars, and you know which ones I'm talking about, that are packed with sugar, I grab a Built Bar because it is my go-to perfect bar that is not unhealthy. Go to BuiltBar.com and use code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Betting on college basketball doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wager. Subscribe to the new Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. So I want to spend most of the time here talking about the guy who who really shined. And I was a little bit late to the party of getting to watch the film because uh, despite me being someone who I consider to be very technically savvy, could not get into the uh, <laughs> the film portal until uh, Ryan very aggressively told me to download the app, uh, which I did. Now I was able to watch some of these clips. But all over Twitter, the thing that kept popping up for me was Dalen Hayes, Dalen Hayes, Dalen Hayes. A lot of people were talking about Dalen Hayes who didn't really do a whole lot for his stock when he weighed in just because he kind of weighed in at the thresholds that he needed to hit. But you watch the reps that he had on the outside, man. I I absolutely love seeing what he did because I saw what he did when he was at Notre Dame, which is being relentless, high motor, and he's going to bust some butts and go out there and put in a full effort and hopefully make a play. And I I think that he might be one of the early uh, winners from just overall from the senior ball. It's funny. I th- I thought that Adi obviously uh, Adi Ogundeji, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a second. He won the weigh-in. Dalen Hayes has won the field work so far. You know, he. I mean, besides from Dalen being such a good young man that we had on the podcast, you know, about a week or so, uh, two weeks ago now, I guess it was. And he is really. I mean, he just gets it. You know, he's got that professional attitude to him. He's just a really, really astute young man. Very smart. But we saw the the play of the day yesterday. Probably, if you're a big you know defensive line, offensive line guy, you know I'm a big Spencer Brown guy from Northern Iowa. I think that he has a chance to go in the late first, second round, like somewhere in that conversation. Dalen Hayes converted speed to power on him and put him flat on his back. <laughs> that is a six foot eight, three hundred and ten pounds offensive tackle, and he made Spencer look like he didn't belong there, even though Spencer does absolutely belong there. Dalen Hayes is physical. He's very powerful. He is a speed-to-power converter. There's nothing flashy to him as a pass rusher, but he can create a little bit of movement. And the more that he can do that, because honestly, in Notre Dame's role as a drop end sometimes, he was asked to play in space more than he was as a true rusher. So what he can show here in those one-on-ones is big time for him. He was a five-star recruit coming out and out of Mich- uh, Skyline High School in Michigan, originally a USC commit. And he never quite put it all together. But what we saw yesterday in the first practice and into today, there are flashes there. There is talent there. And I think teams from both 3-4 and 4-3 alignments, more probably 3-4 outside linebacker alignments, are going to love Dalen Hayes and the physicality and the motor that he plays with. Yeah, and honestly, the one comp that we drew a while ago, I think, is 
you know, reminiscent with the stuff that you just talked about here. Um, we compared him to, oh my God, I'm blanking on who, Marcus, uh, Marcus Golden is yep. who we compared him to. And Golden, I believe, was a third round pick out of Missouri. And I think that that continues to be a really good comp for Dalen Hayes. And it, Hayes doesn't necessarily, he's not pr- going to turn himself into a late first round pick. That's just not going to happen with some of these other pass rushers that are in this group. But because of that consistency standpoint and all the stuff that you highlighted here, a, a good week is enough to make him a solidified late day two pick. Yep. That's, you know, that's, that's really important here. Um, but you're talking about Adi already who, Measures in with these stupidly long arms. That was something that everybody was talking about. Like, man, he's got some really long arms. And he was a little bit up and down. And and what were some of the things that you saw from him in the ways that he was being moved around uh, and where he was lining up? What were some of the things that you noticed? I think he's just developing still. Like, we saw him. I think it was against Dylan Raiden's one play where Dylan just, you know, they're, they're playing kind of like he's trying to set the edge and, Dylan just completely out leveraged him and, and knocked him on the ground. And, and there's just, I think, I think Deontay Smith from ECU may have got him once too. He's just, he's not completely there yet from a physical standpoint. What he does have is, Hey, he's got binds 35 plus inch arms. He's over six foot four. That prototype that everybody wants in a defensive end is audio Gandeshi. Like he has all the talent in the world and he has that physical standpoint. He just isn't there yet. Like it, it physically is not there. You're going to see, I don't know what the weight room numbers are on him, but I can tell that he's a guy that just needs to continue to grow into his body. I don't think it's there yet. I think he's going to be about a 265, 270-pound defensive end when, when things are all said and done because he's about 255 right now. I think he can carry a bunch more weight. I think yesterday you just saw him struggle at points with physicality, but then there's reps where he flashes that length and that athleticism. You're like, okay, there's multiple traits here. I, do, I think that if I'm – Betting on who's going to be that late day two guy, I would bet more on Dalen now because I just think that he's more physically put together and he can contribute a little earlier. But I think Adi is a guy that people are going to clamor to, especially on early day three, and say, hey, those long arms, that height, that athleticism, I can work with you. You're not going to help me too much in 2021, but for the future, you're kind of a stash on the back end of the roster. Let him get continue to get bigger, physically develop in his strength and conditioning staff on the NFL level. I think that the sky is the limit and probably is a higher upside than Dalen Hayes does. But I just think that he is not physically developed and the power profile is not quite there yet. It's honestly two sides of a coin too. The best way I think to describe it, you've got one side, Dalen Hayes, who is the uh, epitome of consistency and a guy that's a little bit more ready to play now, but might not have the higher ceiling. Conversely, you have Adi, as you talked about, if you can get him to hit on some of those various flashes that you mentioned, he could very well be a, a diamond in the rough type player. And I think both of these guys are probably two of the more interesting names to monitor, including Aaron Banks. We'll continue to provide updates, and we're going to probably do another update episode on Friday's episode. And then I think on Monday, we'll probably do like a final recap of the Senior Bowl week and discuss our our final takeaways from the the whole week um, because we're just not going to have that extra day. We're not doing a Saturday episode. That's it for us though, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave a review, follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon at rise and draft at locked on Irish and stay tuned for tomorrow as we will be discussing the next round of practices at the senior bowl. Have a wonderful rest of your day, folks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.